Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. As always, I got my co-host, Matt and Vitor, here as well. And guys, I have never been more happy to be so wrong. The Jets upset the Bengals 34-31 to behind 405 yards passing from Mike White and three passing touchdowns, a game that no one saw coming. Uh, none of us predicted a win, but we are glad to be wrong, I'm sure. Let's go ahead and break it down and get right off the bat with talking about how the Jets came away with this un- unprobable win. Uh, first and foremost, Mike White. Vitor, you are the resident quarterback expert. Let's go ahead and break down Mike White. What was he able to do against this defense? Mike White was able to play an NFL quarterback. He played an NFL quarterback game, and that was a thing that Zach Wilson hasn't been doing for this offense. Wilson was more of a guy that was trying to play hero ball, as we talked on the show previously. Wilson was trying to do too much. Mike White just said, hey, I'm Mike White. I'm going to check the ball down when the check down's there. I'm going to go to the second level throw if the play gives me the second level throw. And I'm just going to execute the offense like a robot would. And it's going to work. And it did. You know, Mike White played an NFL quarterback game. And the guy is around. You know, the guy has been around the league for three years. Dallas Cowboys, New York Jets in 2019, 20, and now in 21. And he knows how to play quarterback. As simple as that. And the Jets needed that. Obviously, the Bengals came out flat. They were not ready for the Jets. When they played zone coverage, their linebackers were backing off like crazy when the Jets went play action. So they just ran a lot of screen passes. But the main difference was that Mike White was willing to get rid of the football on time. I was watching highlights right now this afternoon, just this afternoon. And there are a bunch of plays that you could see Zach Wilson getting sacked. And Mike White just gave the ball to Michael Carter. Right, yep. uh, just saw some a uh, play right here. First down and ten. Mike White three step drop. The, the Jets are running a levels concept to the right with Mike, Mike uh, with Michael Carter being the check down the, the outlet to the left. Mike White sees that nobody's going to come open quickly. Just shuffles to his left, checks down to Michael Carter. First down, Jets. This is a play that keeps the offense on schedule. Doesn't allow the offense to stay behind the sticks and just keeps things moving. It's nothing overly impressive. You don't need to be the most talented player in the world to do it. You just need to know what it takes to score. Football is 
win the other opponent's field. You got to march down the field. And to march, you know, you, you got to go five yards to five yards sometimes. And that's what Mike White did. And honestly, is it worrying that he didn't complete a pass over 20, 20 yards in a sense that he didn't show he can win a game where the other team dares him to throw the ball deep? Yes. But when I thought White was too eager to check the ball down, he threw a couple of intermediate passes, a curl to Jeff Smith, a glance route to Denzel Mims, a, yep. a post to Killen Cole. He was willing to throw the ball down the field. But why? Why throw the ball down the field if the defense is giving you easy 10-yard completions? And that was the mindset of Mike White, and that's why the Jets won the game. Yeah, I mean, I like that. But Mike White got on the field and said, hey, I'm Mike White. I can do this. I could be a poised NFL quarterback. And he did. He played every bit the part. He was very confident from his footwork to his decision-making. Everything was very fluid and intentional. He never looked out there like he didn't belong. And I wonder how much the game plan actually helped him with this because they started right off the bat with uh, simple throws, simple uh, concepts for him to eat up some yards, get some completions under his belt. And it sort of continued throughout the game. And we've been kind of hoping that this would be the case for the whole year with Wilson, that, hey, let's just get the guy some easy completions and get like get everything like rolling quickly. But we haven't seen until just now. And I couldn't have come at a better time. And the dividends paid off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this was just a combination of everything coming together really, really well. I mean, the offensive line, I think, had their best game of the day. They kept Mike White clean for the most part. Uh, I think to help that, Mike White did a really good job of getting the ball out quick. And I think, like you mentioned, Vitor, if Cincinnati is going to be backing off every play and playing soft zone coverage too deep, why not check it down? If Michael Carter is going to have nine yards of space uh, in front of him with no one near him, why not give him the ball? Why not throw quick and get the ball out to your playmakers and hit Ty Johnson in the flat and let him run for a touchdown? Uh, if they're going to give it to you, take it. Why make things harder? And I think that's what Mike White does so much better than Zach Wilson at this point is that he doesn't make anything harder on himself than he has to. If it's open and it's easy underneath, he'll hit it. He didn't attempt to pass further than 15 yards in the air, let alone complete one. He didn't attempt one. And to be quite honest, he didn't have to. If you can throw for 405 yards off checkdowns, if the defense is going to let you throw for 405 yards off checkdowns, you do that all day long and you're happy to do it. And you walk away with your, your high completion percentage and your high yard total and your win. And you go home a happy camper because it doesn't usually get easier than that in the NFL. If a defense is going to be that soft and going to be that prepared, the Jets offense, their their plan, according to Mike White and Robert Sala and Michael Floor and everyone that's talking about is they wanted to throw deep early. They wanted to dial up the deep ball and say, we're going to come out and let Mike White chuck it and show no fear and see if we can establish some confidence. And that was their game plan. And the Bengals were just backing off and they took it away and the underneath was open for free. So that's what Mike White hit. He didn't force it deep. Zach Wilson would have forced it deep. And I think this is the the perfect game to watch for Zach Wilson on the bench to say, that's what I need to do more of. Because the more frequently that Zach Wilson does that, he's going to be able to take more advantage of the deep shots than Mike White is to begin with. Those deep shots are going to be more open more frequently, and it's going to really help the offense as a whole. I think this was just a, a combination of everything coming together perfect. Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, and But one thing I would like to say is, why hasn't Zach done this already? I feel like this is something that's probably should have been drilled into his head 
probably after like week three. Like this is what you should be doing, taking what the defense gives you. So will just seeing it really kick it into it? I don't know. I, I, I think it's more than that. I think it's a mentality that he has that he needs to get over. And I think that's a lot harder to do than just coming to the realization, oh, I need to take what the defense gives me. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's something within his mentality that he's going to need to get over. But I don't think we can understate how well the offensive line played. And I think that when you have an offensive line that you're confident in pass protecting, you're more comfortable throwing the ball 40 plus times a game. And Mike White more felt more comfortable stepping back, reading the defense. He didn't have to be watching the rush. And I think that can be an issue, especially for Zach. We know Zach is going to be looking to get out of the pocket. Mike White was is his answer to, to pressure was get the ball out. Zach Wilson's answer is make the guy miss. And I think that is not only his mentality, he's kind of been forced into it with the way the offensive line is played sometimes. I think if the offensive line can continue this performance, it'll give Zach the freedom to be better in the quick game. Yeah. And honestly, Honestly, Mike White not do what Zach Wilson does in, in the sense that he cannot ex- escape pressure the way Wilson does. He cannot throw the ball in the move in the way Wilson does. He cannot throw, throw the ball yep. deep the way Wilson does. And this is this is not up for debate. But the, 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 the main problem right now is that Zach Wilson cannot do what Mike White's doing. And it's much easier to learn that you, you must check the ball down than to teach Mike White the skills that are 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 part of Zach Wilson. It's just born skills for Zach Wilson while checking the ball down and being smart with it. It's part of the quarterback process. You know, Zach Wilson never had to check the ball down BYU. He was the problem solver. Just give Zach the ball in his hands. They, they, you know, he played in a team that 30% of the past plays were double goals on the outside middle read by the slot. Just mm-hmm. if nothing's open, throw it up, run out of the pocket and do something. It, it's not, it's not translatable to the NFL. Right. And now he, he's seen that. And when he sits back and watch White, honestly, Zach Wilson, you know, Mike White said that Zach was best teammate possible with him. But inside, Zach Wilson was like, man, Mike White's doing that. He's running for 400 yards. Why cannot I do it? And just watching tape, as everyone says, he's a tape junkie. He's going to figure it out. It's a mentality problem, but it's going to be solved. And once Wilson figures it out, Jets fans need to imagine the Mike White game with the ability to take over any game. In a sense that Zach Wilson cannot, won't only throw for 400 yards when the defense gives him the underneath. Zach Wilson has the ability to throw for 400 yards when defenses dare him to beat deep, and he will. And, and that's the thing. That's why I said last week that Zach Wilson would benefit from sitting back and watching. Right now, give Wilson a couple more weeks, and I bet, I bet you the Jets will have a better quarterback. There's one other thing I noticed that was a notable improvement, and that was play fakes. Uh, whether it was uh, fake tosses, yep, 100%. Or whether it was just traditional play fakes or RPOs, White just seemed a lot more deceptive than than Zach. And that's going back to BYU. Uh, we we noted that he just never really put that much effort into his play fakes. And it would be really nice if Zach can get on the same level as Mike White 
Yeah, I that's that's a great point because Zach was completely lazy with his play fakes at BYU, and it was because he didn't want to waste time with his back to the defense. He wanted to get his head around as quick as possible so he could dissect what was going on and get the ball out earlier and not have to worry about getting, you know, hit from the backside blind, where Mike White was the complete opposite. Like on that fake pitch that you mentioned, he held that fake for as long as he physically could, and it led to a defensive end barreling down dead in his face. He still got the ball out, and I think it was Michael Carter that made the reception, and it ended up being a good game. Uh, Zach Wilson would have not been able to execute that fake as well. And I don't know if it wouldn't have been as open as it would be with Mike White calling it. And that's, that's a, an excellent point of something that Zach Wilson can definitely learn from. Yeah. hundred percent agree. All right, guys, as good as Mike White was, there is another star on offense that we need to talk about. And that is Michael Carter, the rookie running back, uh, Michael Carter, uh, to put into perspective, how good he was. This was, I believe the first time a jets rookie has had over 150 yards from scrimmage since like 2001. If I remember correctly, uh, he led the team in rushing and receiving. He led the team in targets and receptions, uh, he did everything for this team on offense. Uh, there was a bunch of other guys that contributed. Elijah Moore had, you know, his career high in receiving yards. Jameson Crowder had a handful of catches as well, but the offense was living and breathing through Michael Carter uh, on Sunday and it, his ability, not only in the run game, but in the pass game and just anytime with the ball in his hands to create yards after contact is, is better than I thought it would be by a significant margin. And I thought he was a great player. We talked in our running back episode for, you know, time and time with the guys that we covered, they were going to be later round picks. And we said that these are the guys that we're going to target because Michael Carter is going to be long gone by the time the Jets are taking a running back. Well, lo and behold, he fell to the 107th pick and the Jets might have absolutely stolen themselves a future pro bowler because this guy is incredible. I, I, I cannot, I cannot explain how somebody small in his stature is so good at evading tackles and fighting through contact. It's not just that, you know, he's shifty and elusive and it's hard for guys to get a hand on him. He's got plenty of that too. But even when he does get hit, he just, his center of gravity is so low and he's so balanced that he just doesn't go down and his ability to step through ankle tackles and, and just create yards, whether it's for himself or after the play, it, it keeps your offense alive. I mean, he averaged 5.1 yards per rush. He averaged over seven yards a touch. Uh, this, was an an amazing game from Michael Carter and I hope that he continues to be featured in the offense because he absolutely deserves to. Yeah. I tweeted it last Monday I think that he reminds me of Alvin Kamara, you know, he doesn't have Kamara's explosiveness but the ability to stay on his feet when getting hit is just yeah. just amazing, right? The balance, the body control. And we all talk about how the Jets need to scheme touches for Elijah Moore. Honestly, the Jets got to scheme touches for Michael Carter. 100%. And, yeah, and and we saw it from the floor uh, last yesterday, last Sunday. We saw it from the floor. You know, a couple screen passes, and the and Mike Mike White was just willing to give the ball to his checkdown, and the checkdown happened to be Michael Carter, and the Jets were productive doing it. Imagine if if Mike White's checkdown was Frank Gore like last season, uh, the yeah. Jets wouldn't have won the game. It would be a loss. And and you can say that Michael Carter won the Jets the game because it gave White the freedom and the confidence to check the ball down when he wanted because he said, hey, I have two explosive backs, Carter and Johnson. They're, they're making plays with the ball in their hands. If the defense doesn't give me anything in second level, third level throws, I'll just check it down and hope for the best. And it happened. Uh, yeah, I I can't stress this enough. I love Michael Carter and what he brings as a weapon in the receiving game. Uh, he's a menace out of the backfield. And one thing I would probably like to see next week more is maybe use him vertically 
uh, people might be sitting on them for the short stuff. So you know what? Send them deep a few times. Uh, send them on some wheel routes. Let's uh, let's break it open a little bit. Let's uh, keep the defenses uh, guessing. But between that and what he's able to do on the ground with his balance through contact, his strength through the hole, he can get it done no matter how you ask him to do it. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Matt. I, I you just like spark something in my brain that I want to lay out here. Um, do you guys remember? I think it was a third down conversion. It might have been a second down. Um, it was in the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Jets were driving, and Michael Carter was split out wide, and he ran a slant from the outside and made a conversion for a first down. You remember that play? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So imagine that play, which I'm sure that the Colts are going to be looking at on tape and you come up in the exact same formation with Michael Carter on the exact same side and you run a sluggo. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. That's yeah. right. Why not? Right. Why not? I think he's capable. I think he's more than capable. And I think especially with the Colts defense, and we'll get into that when we get to, uh, to that game more, but they play a lot of man coverage and they trust their linebackers in man coverage. A lot of well, Darius Leonard's a great linebacker, so They can understand why they do that. But if you're going to get a linebacker out on him, I let's, let's take a shot deep. Let's exploit that. I think that could be, I think the possibilities are endless for him. Like you said, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Use him more, use him everywhere. He is on track to be an elite running back in this league. Yeah, I really think he can. You said uh, Alvin Kamara, and I completely can see that in the body control and the balance, but he he reminds me of Austin Eckler, honestly, just yeah. in the fact yeah. that he's just his stature, his his ability as a receiver, his, you know, he can run with power when he needs to. Like, I, I, I he's going to be so good for so long. I really think the Jets got to steal. He's just a lot thicker. So he's like Alvin Thickmara. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get to the defense because I think they put on a great performance. 31 points is obviously not ideal. You'd like to see the score a little lesser than that. But overall, against the Bengals offense, that was absolutely frightening. And we were all certainly scared of their potential. Uh, they got shut down for the most part. And I think the first thing we need to talk about is CJ Mosley's return. Uh, I don't think there, there was anything in particular that he did that was an amazing individual play. But you ask anybody on that defense about the influence that he had in terms of checks and awareness and getting them prepared. And they all spoke leaps and bounds about how much CJ Mosley did to help this defense. Matt, what was the biggest thing with CJ Mosley coming back in your opinion that really turned things around? I would say it's how the defense was able to communicate with each other. They seemed on the same page, uh, the whole game pretty much, uh, even more so in the beginning on that, uh, fourth down stop that everybody just moved fluidly. Uh, him by himself, it was still just spectacular. You saw it on that uh, touchdown saving play uh, uh, against Mixon where he stopped him at the one-yard line. His ability is through the roof, and he's only gotten better with age, I think. And he's more athletic now, and it shows. Everybody feeds off of that. We got Davis back as well, and he looked pretty damn good too. So, and I was kind of expecting him to have some growing pains, but no, it, he just jumped right in. And I think CJ Mosley's leadership and ability to sort of put a defense on his back and really get them into shape really helped. And it, it really reverberated throughout the entire defense. Yeah, CJ, man, and CJ, he's just fantastic. And honestly, Jets fans might not know, but we might have seen yesterday the best game of Gerard Davis' career. 
And and I'll tell you one thing. I think CJ Mosley being there makes makes that the case. You know, help to Rod Davis in Detroit. He was occasionally lost under Matt Patricia. Lions fans hated Gerard Davis. And yesterday, I saw a guy that was good in the running game. Got beat on the third down on the now route to mix and I think, but it happens because he he's big. But I saw a guy that was rarely out of place. A problem that was common in Detroit, and I credit that to CJ Mosley. CJ Mosley is that kind of guy. We saw last week how Sherwood, Quincy, and Quincy looked against the Patriots. And yesterday, we also saw Quincy having a best deflection on a seam on a little deep crosser by Tyler Boyd in coverage because he was in perfect position. And that's all pre-snap. And that's, again, where we got to credit C.J. Mosley. And I'll tell you one thing. I was I was the guy, I was one of the guys that was more, more critical of Mike McKinnon saying, hey, this is a bad contract. Right now, this is not a bad contract for C.J. Mosley. Because he does so much for these defense that he, you know, he's being in, even underpaid. It's 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 just a complete different unit when Mosley's on the field. Yeah, Sheldon Rankins called him the the calm within the chaos, and I think that's the the perfect explanation for it. Where where he is truly a an extra coach on the field. And you're right, that contract is more than worth it because they might as well be paying him a coach's salary too with the amount of help that he gives this defense and he gives all the players on this defense. The You need guys that know how to lead. You need guys that know how to win. You need guys that can set the example that can be your leaders. And it, it, say what you want about Mike McCagnan and the moves that he made. He recognized that this team needed that. And if he thought it was Jamal Adams, it wasn't. It seemed like that wasn't going to be the case. Even before Joe Douglas traded him, it seems like Jamal Adams was going to be out. He knew that he had to make a move, and he went out and got one of the best leaders in the NFL. And C.J. Mosley has done nothing but continue that, let alone the the impact that he has just in terms of helping the rest of the team. The fact that he is still playing at such an elite level and got better with age, as you said, and his it transformed his body and not lost any bit of the downhill style to his game that made him so good in the first place. I, I can rave all day about CJ Mosley. He's quite honestly probably my favorite player on this team currently. And I know Mike White certainly is, you know, gonna make a run for that, but but I don't know what the Jets would be like without CJ Mosley if they didn't have him. And I'm really, really glad they do. Yep, a hundred percent. Hey, but would you extend him? When would be the question? Because he does have X amount of years on his deal and he is getting older, but I haven't seen anything that says that he's going to slow down. So quite honestly, yeah, I, I think until he shows signs of decline, I want this guy on my team. Yeah. Yeah. I probably agree with you. I probably agree with you. It's just, it's just hard to extend a 32 year old linebacker, but if CJ continues to play like that, it's going to be hard to not have him on the team. It really would be. I mean, his presence is felt like it was definitely noticeable. Uh, whether it's just the fact that everybody's feeding off of everybody else playing well, I don't know, but I would say it's more to do with CJ and his leadership because you see him out there, uh, communicating with his teammates and you, you see everybody, they know what they need to do and they, for the most part, did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And and I think that the next thing that we need to talk about on top of CJ Mosley's influence and getting the front seven and everything aligned, these Jets corners are blowing me away. Vitor, uh, go ahead. Wax poetically about how great these corners have been because uh, they, they surprised the hell out of me this week. I could, did not yeah. expect them to play this well. Yeah, I was one of the few optimists about these corners last week on our podcast because I said, yeah. hey, 
Hey, I think they can match up, man. I think they can match up. If the Bengals try to build their offense through their wide receivers, I feel like the Jets corner is going to give those guys a tough time, and they did. Honestly, I don't care about stats. I don't care that Jamar Chase had a touchdown. I, I, you know, every catch those guys had on the Jets were hard catches. The deep ball to T. Higgins, when the, the no play action one on third down, the seam on Bryce Hall, the, the, the fade on Bryce Hall. Come on, great coverage, great coverage, and it wasn't even a catch. Wasn't even a catch. So no, it wasn't. Jamar Chase touchdown a billion seconds for Joe Burrow to throw. Nobody can cover for that long. But Echoes exactly. was giving him a hard time in the red zone. And honestly, he got into Chase's head. He was like always looking to the refs, complaining for flags, always tight coverage. And that's that that's the theme with those corners throughout the season. No matter who they face, they go and show up because they are always tight in coverage. You know, catches will happen. Catches will eventually happen, but if you play tight coverage more often than not, you're going to win in this league, especially on third down. And that's what Salah said with the moment he got hired. We're looking for cornerbacks that help us to get off the field on third down, and that's what those corners are doing. They present tight coverage on first, second, and especially on third down when the Jets go to their man blitz, man coverage schemes. And and it's it's just impressive. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boy, no joke, guys. This trio of wide receivers is as good as it gets in the NFL, and the Jets cornerbacks held up perfectly. I want to touch on something you said there, how no cornerback group can guard forever. They're not going to be able to cover for three, four seconds, five seconds or more. And I think they did an admirable job considering that their pass rush was kind of non-existent for most of the day. And a lot of these big receptions that the Bengals had, they had because the pass rush just wasn't getting there. And Burrow just had the time to make these plays. Uh, and for the most part, they they held up. Uh, Hall and, and Carter and Guidry, all these guys did a very good job. Even Eccles at times, uh, he looked like he belonged out there. Uh, his touchdown he gave up to Chase. I mean, he, he, you can't guard Chase one-on-one in the red zone chasing him around for too long and that's what happened and yeah he gave up the score but for the most part i think he did a pretty good job yeah i'm gonna be honest brandon Eccles was really really impressive to me in this game there was one play in particular uh where when i was going back and watching the highlights where i had to keep rewinding it because i was just so impressed by the rep it was a third down and uh he's matched up on the outside against t higgins and t higgins runs a go ball down the sideline joe burrow throws it up and brandon Eccles plays it you could not do it any better. It teach tape in terms of playing a go ball in man coverage where he squeezes him to the sideline, gets right in his hip pocket, is playing it with, you know, uh, inside leverage on top, stacking him the whole way, falls in the air, turns his head, gets his hands right in between, swats it, incomplete pass. Textbook. Absolutely and completely and totally textbook. And it looked just like uh, from, I think it was the Titans game when Isaiah Dunn got in for a rep and it was right down the same sideline where he had a pass breakup. We're watching the techniques from these coaches work. We're watching the, the their their coaching work. We're watching it click. We're watching these guys get better once they're understanding the techniques. And, and it's it's all coming together. Bryce Hall had another excellent game. Jamar Chase had a season low 32 yards. Uh, he had one... Uh, uh, Bryce Hall had one reception given up on the day and it was on a trick play. Uh, I, I'm, I can't, I can't even begin to describe how good our corners might be. And that's a sentence that I don't think anybody could have expected us to say at the start of the year. I, I wanted to bring a little context to that play you said about Eccles and on Higgins. Uh, Eccles is about five ten, five nine ish. And yeah. T Higgins is what? Six, four, six, five. Yeah. Six, so four with like a 
40 inch vertical. Yeah. So that is a considerable size difference. And uh, Eccles definitely held his own. Yeah. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. And uh, that's, that's a really, really good to see. I, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with, with these corners. Uh, and I want to, I want to continue on on a point that I just made before where I think, I think the fans owe this coaching staff an apology because after the doom and gloom that was last week, where there was legitimately people saying that Sala wasn't the right fit and that Douglas was terrible and that they should be fired. And, and here we go again, it's the same old jets and they made a mistake. And then they come out and play like this. The team never quit. They, they were ready to go from the get go. They never thought that they were going to, they were going to be down. This is a team that lost the turnover battle. Uh, They lost the turnover battle. They had three turnovers in the day. Uh, they were down 11 points with like five minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter. It's the only win by a team in the NFL this season. That's been down by double digits in the fourth quarter to, to come back and win. That was like one in 50 or Oh, and 53 before that this year, that's now one in 53 because of the jets and the, uh, the Bengals. That's because of Robert Sala. That's because of this coaching staff, never wavering, never changing their message, staying consistent. And if you listen to everything that they've been saying all year, that's exactly what they've been saying. It's that it's going to take time. It's going to be a process. We're a young team. There's going to be days where we look good. There's going to be days where we look like we don't deserve to be on the field. And that's exactly what Sala said immediately after the game was over in his press conference was there's going to be days we look like a playoff team. There's going to be days where we get destroyed. And it's all about building and learning how to win and getting more comfortable in the scheme and the fundamentals and the techniques we're watching it grow in real time and i really think that everyone needed a a deep breath to sit here and give credit to this staff and these coaches and this front office and say give them the time give them the patience because so far we're seeing evidence of it working and i think it's going to only continue to work so wait a second are you saying jet fans are reactionary and fickle no, no, I'm not, not saying not, that at all. No. Not this group. <laughs> no, I would say that because <laughs> they are most fans, uh, especially the reactionary types uh, on on Twitter, uh, on social media. They'll always be jumping from game to game with how they feel, and it, it, it gets a little annoying to watch. And it's nice and refreshing to see Sala kind of bring that message of just you know take a step back. It's a young team. Yeah, uh, we we just be patient. We, this is all a work in progress. We know you all you all are frustrated, and Jet fans have a right to be frustrated with our history. Uh, but at the same time, we need to be realistic because if you're not thinking with a, a realistic uh, chip on your shoulder, then you're not really thinking at all. You're just being uh, irrational, uh, reactionary, and fickle. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I wrote, I told you guys that I was going to write that article. I wrote last week saying, mm-hmm. hey, Salah has a big test this Sunday. Will the Jets show up? Exceeded all of my expectations. I was just expecting the Jets to show up at least for three quarters and compete against the Bengals, who had just dog rolled the Ravens and the Jets went out there and beat the Bengals. Come on. This is this is indictment of Salah, you know. Tough times, one and five, backup yep. quarterback, everyone's hurt, and the Jets beat the Bengals, number one seed in the AFC prior to the game. Gotta give the guy, gotta give the guy anything that he wants. Time, patience, patience, anything. Salah, you know, he he earned that with that win. Not a single player on the team thought that they were gonna lose. Not a single player on the team was any less confident that they were gonna be able to go in and compete and that they were gonna put up just as much of a fight as anybody else that they've played. Yeah. It brings me back to an article that was written about how the Jets are in disarray. I'm not sure I don't remember who wrote it, but it, 
that does it seem like anybody on in that staff or on that team felt like they were in disarray? No, I yeah. certainly don't think so. All right, guys, let's get to the Colts game. Got a short week, uh, obviously going to have a lot of emotions flying around and then got to turn around and play a game on Thursday night. The Colts are coming off a scarily similar game to the Jets themselves. Uh, they played uh, the Tennessee Titans, lost 34 to 31 in overtime. Uh, and again, having a short week for them as well. This is going to be a really tough game. I think both teams are quite evenly matched. The Colts are three and five. The Jets are, uh, I believe they're two and five now. Um with their other win. Uh, it's this is going to be a tough game. It's on national television. Both teams are looking to set things right. The Jets are trying to continue things and stay consistent and win again. The Colts are trying to right the ship after a tough game. That's a tough loss that went into overtime. Uh, it, it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really close game from start to finish. The very, very first point that we want to get into is the Jets offense against the Colts defense. Mike White will be making his second start. And if the Colts have any idea what they're doing, they're not just going to let everything be open underneath for free. So that's going to mean some tighter coverage. And that means that the Jets skill positions are going to have to have a big game again. Matt, who can make a uh, big game, big plays in this game to kind of set the tone and establish some consistency on offense? I think you got to go back to your playmakers. It's got to be Carter. It's got to be more. Uh, it's got to be uh, maybe we get Davis back as well for this game. Solid has not ruled him out. Uh, these are your playmakers. We need to get them involved. They definitely did that with Carter in the last game. And even more saw a little bit more of a of a payload go his way. Uh, what I don't care how you do it, but do it. And we think that probably the best way to do it is by carving up their, uh, their coverage, uh, whether they're in man a lot, we, we showed that we can, uh, throw some man beaters out there and, and be successful at it. Uh, this will open things up for everybody, whether it's Mims, Davis, uh, Cole, uh, the tight ends, everything will open up if we get these two involved. Uh, we saw uh, uh, the bag of tricks uh, come out last game. Uh, it, it looked like uh, uh, Michael Flora sort of uh, dipped into his Belichick bag uh, throughout the the, the reverse uh, uh, throw down the field. I forgot who who threw it eventually. It was a Crowder. I'm, I'm not sure. I think but. it was actually it was a reverse to Crowder who threw back to White who to White. threw to oh, Elijah then. Moore. Yes, it was all very beautiful. And then you have the Philly special for the two-point play. Keep the playbook open, right? Don't don't close it just after having success. Keep it keep it wild, man. Just, just let it flow. Let these guys have some fun out there. If it works, you'll look like a gun. And if it doesn't, I mean, I don't think anybody will blame you for, for trying to be exciting out there, trying to get something done. Uh, but you got to be smart about it. One thing that we saw last week that uh, has been plaguing this offense is that they just make these stupid play calls that make no sense, like having Crowder being your lead block for more, or, or the other way around, more lead blocking for Crowder, or putting uh, your tight end that has been a great pass blocker the whole season against their star edge uh, rusher. It's the little things that make a huge difference and they need to keep this up. Just play smart, but also play free. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. You got to exploit those guys in spaces. 
got to exploit the, the, the Colts man coverage. And LaFleur has, has, has thrown in some good man beaters, especially against the Patriots. So I think he's going to have a couple ready for this game and especially continue to ride Mike White's hot hand. You know, trust Mike. If White's hot, keep him going. You know, second level throws, if the Colts start to dare the Jets to beat them deep, do it as they were planning to do against the Bengals early. And if not, continue to let Mike White operate the offense, checkdowns, etc. You know, as I said last week, if LaFleur calls the game with no fear as he did, his the, the offense is going to flourish. I, I I was making that that he was hesitant to call an offense for Zach Wilson because he was scared to hurt Wilson long term. Calling a play Wilson doesn't like, so he was like just just overthinking, just like Wilson with White. We saw a guy that he, he's just giving the place to White, and White was executing then, and the, he got into a flow quicker. Got to keep the same thing. If it starts bad against the Colts, if the Colts present quick responses to the Jets' offense. Well, a flirt cannot flinch. He's got to adjust and trust why to handle whatever the coach throws at the throw with the Jets. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and I think on top of that, the the strength of the Colts defense is their defensive line and their pass rush and specifically DeForest Buckner and the Jets interior of their offensive line uh, minus Elijah Vera Tucker has not been their strong suit this year. And I think that's a matchup that you can neutralize by trusting your playmakers in space and getting the ball out quick. And if they're going to play up front and they're going to try and squat on everything with man coverage, because I think the Colts play a lot of man. We all know that they're going to try and play press. They're going to say that we're just going to get in your face, disrupt the timing, give our guys time to get home on the pass rush. That's where you trust your guys like Corey Davis. You trust your guys like Elijah Moore. You trust your guys like Q and Cole. You say you go beat that coverage. They're going to press you. You make them pay for it. And I think that there's uh, opportunities for them to exploit this defense, especially if they can isolate Michael Carter on some linebackers, because I saw a handful of opportunities where the Jets ran option routes with Michael Carter. There was one uh, where it was a really good play by Mike White, too, because he was getting hit as he threw and he was able to get the ball out. But Michael Carter comes up and the Bengals are in zone coverage. But when you're going to be in zone coverage and you have guys isolated in space, the zone can turn to man really quick. Michael Carter gets isolated on this linebacker in his zone drive. The linebackers got inside leverage. Carter squares him up, gives him a slight nod outside, and he's wide open. Just catches it and runs for a first down on, on first and 10. I think you can get easy, easy yards doing that for not just this coming game, the rest of the season. And if the Colts are going to leave their other linebackers in coverage on Michael Carter, he's going to toast them. If they're going to put Darius Leonard on him in coverage, you take him out of their coverage on the back end. And I think that that is a really, really helpful aspect as well. If you're going to have to make their best player uh, in, in the second level of their defense, key in on your running back. Well, now Elijah Moore is going to be wide open on the sweeps. Now you're going to be able to set up the screens the other way. You're going to be able to get more opportunities over the middle on the glance routes. I, I think that they can do some really, really good things against this defense. I think it's a really quiet, good matchup for this offense. And especially after what we've seen from Mike White, and his ability to process quickly and get the ball out fast. I think this could be another good game. See, but now we've had good matchups before. We thought we had a great matchup against uh, Atlanta. It's all about execution. And last week uh, against Cincinnati, every single person on that offense executed from GVR all the way down to Griffin. So, yeah, we expect that same kind of execution. I really don't think we can. I think that they're definitely going to revert back to the mean as far as how they execute and how they perform together. Uh, Mike White and his decisiveness will definitely help. But at the same time, I don't think we can rely on having that kind of 
performance uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, I, I, I just find it hard to, to imagine that. Yeah, it's certainly not guaranteed. And I think if there's anything we know about the Jets, it's that expecting wins back to back is never easy. But yeah. the things that I think can be consistent about this team are your best players. You expect your best players to be consistent always. And I think for the most part, the Jets' best players have been consistent. I think CJ Mosley has been consistent. I think Quinn and Williams has been consistent. I think Corey Davis. Uh, minus some time early has been consistent for the most part. Elijah Moore has been consistent when he's gotten his opportunities. Michael Carter has been consistent from the get-go. I think those guys aren't going to waver. And I think as long as those guys can do enough that the Jets can put up a fight. And I think this is a game where you have to lean on your stars as what you would expect to do with your backup quarterback in anyway. I, I, I don't know if they need to have the entire team-wide great effort from everybody to, to have a successful uh, offensive day. Agree. Agree. You shouldn't, the Jets shouldn't have to need... GVR McGovern, everybody to play their A plus game to have a good game. Maybe Mike White won't throw for 400 yards again, but the Jets' offense can be consistent if their top guys are playing well. Yeah, it's that simple. It's why you go out and get talented skill players so that your quarterback doesn't have to do everything by himself and that you have guys that can make things easy on him. And I think that was one of the reasons that Mike White played so well is that the skill players did everything they could to help him. And Michael Carter getting however many yards after the catch that he did. That's that's just going to help Mike White. If all Mike White has to do is throw him a five-yard pass right over the middle and Michael Carter does the rest, well, then sure. That, that's why you go out and get yeah. talented skill players. I, I mean, that's that's the game plan to me, is trust your skill guys to, to do what they do best. Yep, 100%. All right, guys, on defense, I think this is going to be a matchup where the defensive line <clears throat> is going to have to lead the way. They are going to have to uh, win the matchup up front. The Colts offensive line is fairly strong, especially on the interior. Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson uh, specifically are fantastic. Quentin Williams is going to have his handful with them. Um, as of right now, there is no one that is officially out on the injury report and that everybody is expected to have a chance at playing and the Jets might be injury free, which is surprising considering this is a short week as well. So this could be a game where if Bryce Huff can come back, I think it would be really big because you need to be able to establish that edge pressure. John Frank, Franklin Myers was quiet in this game. I think if anybody on the defensive line maybe didn't have the most amazing impact, it was JFM. This could be the JFM game where he needs to set back up. The defensive line is going to have to set the tone because the Colts have a really, really good group of skill players. And we've just seen what the Jets defense can do against a good group of skill players. And it's got me more optimistic than I expected to be. But you don't want to put the opportunity for Jonathan Taylor to, to take over the game. You don't want to give the opportunity for, for Michael Pitt, Pittman to take over the game. T.Y. Hilton still has speed. He's still getting behind defenses. You'd want to be able to pressure Carson Wentz into mistakes, get in his face, and, and stop the game on defense before it even gets to the second and third level. I think the defensive line is going to have to step up if they want to really, really set the tone for this game and walk out with a win. So, yeah, if there's anything that this defense has had trouble with it's running backs out of the backfield. Uh, they've had trouble with it all, all year. Of course, that's a little bit more on the linebackers than the defensive line. Uh, but stopping Taylor, even as a runner is going to be very difficult. Uh, mixing, mixing is great, but he is not Taylor. Taylor is, he's an all around running back that gets you with the speed, his vision, his cutback ability. Every single thing he does is great. So it's going to be, it's going to be very tough for them to, to hold him. Uh, and as far as 
uh, pass rush. They they're going against a pretty good offensive line here for uh, the Colts. Uh, I, I would think it would be interesting if the look back at the last few weeks at uh, JFM and see our teams paying a little bit more attention to him now. Is he getting a little bit more double teams? Is that what's holding him back? That's a good question. Yeah, because quite honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I got to watch film. I really don't know, but he hasn't been great in the last couple of weeks. And against the Colts, the Jets are going to need that edge presence because I feel like the Colts, they they run their pass game through the Jets' weaknesses. It, the NFL is, is, a, yeah. is a league of matchups. The Bengals run their offense through the receivers. The Jets hold up well. But the Colts, they're going to run their offense through the running backs, Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Himes in the passing game. And they love to use their tight ends. Tight end screens, tight end crossers over the middle with Mo Alleycox and Jack Doyle. So it's it, it's matchup-wise not good for the Jets. How do the Jets fix it? D-line, pressure smart reading screens and, and, and they are going to be the most important unit against the Colts. If the Jets want to hold up in short week, they're going to need their defensive line. In short week, offenses go to their staples usually and the Colts are going to go to their staples. Screen passers to the running backs, screen pass to the tight ends, Neheims in, in space and it's all on the linebackers and the linemen to make those plays and, and stop the Colts offense. Yeah, Vitor, you just made the point that I want to expand on that I think is the perfect ending point. And that is that when a short and when teams are in short weeks, they're going to go back to what they do best. And I completely and totally agree where my original thought for this game was defensively, you got to try and throw some disguise in. You got to try and confuse Carson Wentz, make him hold the ball a little longer, give your defense the opportunity to get out and, you know, your defensive line the extra second to get home. But I don't think they're going to do that because I think they just saw what their base coverages can do. And they saw them play very well. And the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think they're, especially on a short week, the Jets are going to come out in their more vanilla defense and trust in their guys to be able to hold up. That's why the defensive line is going to really, really need to have a big game because the, the defense behind it might not be that complicated. Carson Wentz may not have to be thinking as hard. And so if he's going to be able to decipher quickly, defensive line is going to have to have get home sooner to take away that time. I'm, I really think that this is going to be a game that if the jets win, it will be because their offense was able to stay efficient and their defensive line was able to get home. If those things don't happen, I think it's going to be a tough day. Yeah, and one more point here. Jets defense will have to play well in the red zone because I think the Colts are going to move the ball on short throws and etc. It's part of the Jets defensive scheme. But if the Jets defense in the red zone can hold the Colts to field goals, Jets have a good chance to win this game. Yeah, I, it's like I said with uh, Taylor, not just Taylor. You got uh, Naheem Hines as well, as well that, that can come out of the backfield. I think they're going to take a, a page out of the Jets playbook and just kill us with the short stuff and drive down the field. Uh, yeah, that red zone defense is going to be very important. Uh, but Carson Wentz is every now and then he's going to Carson Wentz. Uh, I'll make him a verb. He's going to Wentz every now and then. And we need to take advantage of that. We need to play off this uh, our first interception of last week and maybe stack some more. I think that would be a great way to really clinch this game is to get those turnovers under our belt and score off of them. Yeah, winning the turnover margin is never a bad thing. Uh, regardless of anything else, winning the turnover battle never hurts you. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys, let's finish off with some score predictions here. Um, I've been going back and forth with this game all day because uh, I think it's going to be a really, really close matchup. And I did not honestly know where to lean, but I can see the scenario in my head 
I think this game is going to go to overtime. I think it's going to be 21-21 at overtime. I think Mike White is going to play solid, not as good as he did last week, but that's to be expected. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a, a pretty strong game, if not a very, very good game. And it's going to be tied at 21 going into overtime. The Colts are going to win the toss and they are going to win 28-21 on a Jonathan Taylor broke away touchdown run. I'm hoping to be a jinx. We've seen the powers that my my jinx possesses. And so I'm hoping that this is what's going to happen here. 28-21 Colts in overtime. We'll see. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be a bit of a pessimist here. Uh, I've just seen too many Jets games where after a big win, they come out flat. And until they prove that they can get over that hump, I am going to just stick with history here. Uh, I think they'll still play very well. Uh, I think they'll keep it close. But in the end, I think it's going to be about 31-24 Colts. The Jets, now knowing that the Jets will lose the game because Matt predicted it, I'll go out and say (laughs) the Jets are going to win the game. We'll be the only one. We cannot have a three-man podcast with three loss prediction after the Jets have the Mike White game. So the Jets are going to beat the Colts. 24-17, Mike White's going to score a couple touchdowns, going to play well, and the Jets are going to go up to 3-5 and five with a week and a half to prepare for Buffalo. All right, Vitor's the optimist. Uh, Matt, as the Nostradamus of the show, we'll see if that streak continues. Uh, I think we're all expecting a close game. I think this is going to be a really good game to watch. Just in terms of enjoyment of watching a football game, I think this is going to be really entertaining. I think primetime games are always important. You have the storylines of Mike White, you have the defense and everything that they've been doing so far. You have the offense and the matchup against the Colts defense. I think this could be a really, really fun game to watch. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited for Thursday. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that the short week helps, that the, they don't have enough time to get a big head and they come out strong. I hope so, too. I definitely hope so, too. All right, guys, I think that about does it for this week. Uh, We will be back next week to review the Colts game as well as preview the matchup against Buffalo Bills. Before that, let's go ahead and drop our handles and call it a day. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And I'm Vitor, and you can find me at Vitor Piva M. As always, it is at Andrew Golden underscore 17, as well as at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.